You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocals of Cryptopsy, and you listen to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. And I am super stoked to announce that Vox and Hops is now proudly presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is Montreal's premier metal promoter. They host one of North America's best metal festivals, which happens during the summer on a small island outside of Montreal. I have played festivals festivals all over the world and i tell you that this is one of the best that i've ever been to ever been a part of it is amazing i am a huge huge fan of heavy montreal not only do they run this festival but all year long heavy montreal presents amazing metal shows that come through montreal and uh, i'm super honored and stoked to have them be a part of vox and hops it just means the world to me this is the very first heavy montreal and vox and hops episode and today i have a very special guest this guest is a montreal legend today on vox and hops i am with dan mongrain of voivod here it is vox and hops episode number 170. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with Dan Mulgaray of Voivod. He is also played for Cryptops. He's played for Gorguts. He has played for lots of people, and he was the man behind uh, Martyr, which is a classic extreme metal band. Uh, how are you doing, Dan? It's, it's great to finally catch up with you. Yeah, it's been a while. I'm, I'm doing great, actually. Uh, I've been keeping busy during that strange period and uh, lots of uh, sports. Uh, I do uh, road bike a lot. So uh, I uh, really enjoyed summer and uh, played music a lot, practiced teaching a lot, and I I uh, I had um, one lesson from from my gu- one of my guitar hero as well, Scott Henderson, no way. a few weeks ago. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it's all good. I'm, I'm healthy. Wonderful, wonderful. Thanks. That makes me very happy to hear that. Tell me about how you coped with COVID. Was uh, what I've been talking to a lot of artists, and uh, a lot of them tend to be introverts, so they don't mind staying in their house and just uh, cocooning as an artist does. Uh, how did you approach COVID? Uh, how did you approach uh, the numerous cancellations of everything that you had going on? It, it's a hard blow, you know, uh, having a hundred shows canceled. Uh, it's a year of salary, really. It's it's a, it's a hard thing, but you know. You adapt or you die, you know, that's the way to survive. You have to find another way to, to uh, you know, being creative is, 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 a, is something that we all have as artists. Um, so we have to make things uh, another way, uh, try to keep in the game, but in a different way. Writing, you know, uh, for me it was a lot of teaching, um, composing, uh, and... Um, yeah, I'm, I, I don't need uh, personally to, to be surrounded with people all the time. We tour a lot, you know what it is. We, we go to clubs uh, so many times in a year, we see a lot of people. So being the whole summer at my place, it's kind of a luxury in, in the sense that it's been maybe 10, 15 years that I didn't live what the spring summer <laughs> and then fall that's pretty amazing man so i miss playing i miss touring but i i enjoy being home at, at the same time so 
we actually get to see all the seasons happen in order for once as opposed to when we're on tour and we hop over the west coast and go down south and it's beautiful and we know that it's cold at home yeah yeah and you back, you go back home with all the snow and minus 30 degrees it's crazy so yeah so i enjoy it but you know i'm aware that it's not uh you know the situation is uh, is is quite intense uh but i try to make the best out of it so complaining complaining about the loss of gigs and stuff like that is not in my nature i guess uh, i just try to do the best i can which is an uh, excellent approach to take we have to live positively and spread positivity across all aspects of our life and uh, social media is just so negative nowadays that it's nice to just shine a little ray of positivity out there a lot of people have more time to write stuff on social media it's not a good thing always and I, I think the most sad thing is that it divides people a lot, you know. There's a lot of division in society right now, and it worries me. At the same time, I guess it was always like that, but we didn't have time to confront it. <laughs> it would have been debates at the bars late at night that would lead to the fistfights. <laughs> but, but now people can't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends and talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. What beer do you have over there on your side, Dan? I have a. What do you have? Is Uncertainty Principle. I love the, the the name of that. Nice. Yes, and it's from Nickelbrook Brewing Company out of Burlington, Ontario. It is a barrel aged fruited sour. It is a sour blend aged in wine barrels with red currants and tart cherries. Clocks in at 7% ABV. Super stuck to crack this open. It's, it's about uh, quantum physics, right? Exactly, yes. Um, mine is a Demolin barley wine from Holland. Nice. Yes, 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 yes. I've had that, yes. I found it uh, recently in Quebec's SRQ, so I just, I just jumped on it because it's pretty rare that we found find that kind of beer here. But uh, I usually go with the local stuff, but I drank them all, so I'm stuck with this one, which is 10%. Thank you, Matt, for making me drink during the day. <laughs> Cheers for that. It's the sacrifices we make, Dan, for, for, for craft beer and metal. Uh, tell me about uh, your, your craft beer journey. Uh, as I set up Vox and Hops, everyone told me I had to talk to you because you have your feet firmly planted in the world of craft beer here, and you have for, for many, many years before this whole craft beer hype. That's true. Started. So tell, tell me about your, this, your journey into craft beer, please. Well, nowadays I'm a bit disconnected from all of this. Uh, this, but I started in uh, when I started drinking craft beer. I was with Lord Worm uh, touring the states with Cryptopsy. Back back in the day, I didn't I didn't know much about anything, you know. And there was not much thing going on. In, uh, I mean, I remember drinking La Maudite, La Fin du Monde, um, the Unibrew. Unibrew, yeah. So it was the first, I think, in Quebec or one of the first at least, and. Um, uh, and uh, I was interested in, in beers, and he was already a pro back then in 2005. So when we toured the state together, he was always looking for the pubs and, and the micro brewery places, and we we would go on a on a mission every every day or so. And uh, he, he made me discover a lot of different kind of beer. Uh, probably like a lot of people, IPAs were was my. Uh, different kind of beers like porter or barley wines or 
you know, stouts all the seasons. Uh, and uh, it's it's quite a, a unique universe once once you start. Uh, sadly, back uh, maybe in the last five years, I, I kind of disconnected from, uh, you know, learning more stuff, going deeper in the subject. I now more enjoy drinking what I find. I'm not the guy who has this app to... Uh, untapped. No, I'm not on Untapped either. I'm too obsessive. I can't do that. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm just, you know, when, when I'm in a, in, in a new city or a, a different place, I ask the locals and I go for, for, uh, for the, the, the beer place and I try to taste a little bit uh, of everywhere I go. So yeah, that, my introduction was with Lord Worm and we, we went to many places in the States and back in 2005, it was starting to grow a little bit in the States, but there was Sam Adams, there was Sierra Nevada, uh, there was a, a bunch of more local stuff that I don't remember the name, but uh, and Vermont was, was uh, flourishing back then too. And it became just bigger and bigger and you know now it's a it's a good percentage of, of the whole market i think it's around 15 percent or so so uh it's easy to find now and it it's 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 good for us uh beer amateur uh beer uh, tasters or uh, i don't know how the craft beer enthusiasts <laughs> let's do a cheers there a cheers there dan please thank you for coming give me a cheer yes Ooh, this is good very complex uh not overly sour i like it's more of like one of those complex sour brews i love that the blended sours and some wild yeast in there and the the cherries and the red currants absolutely amazing nickel brook a brewing company do it people support them drink their beers uh let's dance into the I heard that I feel like you were involved with a brewery at some point. Is that true? Yeah, I'm still involved with the station host in Montreal. Um, it's been a while since I've been there, but uh, yeah. Uh, when he, uh, Fred, the brewer of Hopfenstark, uh, we became friends even before Hopfenstark existed. So uh, I was uh, doing, I was uh, studying in university in Montreal, uh, University of Montreal, studying music. And we met through a common friend, and he was doing a beer at home. He was a home brewer, so uh, and he had like two beers ready, and uh, he made me taste it, and we became friends. So we, at some point, I was organizing uh, small jams uh, with friends, uh, playing music, and I asked him if he could sell me uh, a keg for the for the event and he did and it was the post-colonial ipa that it still sells now that's so cool and and he gave me a a, a small keg of a stout which is the um, uh, imperial uh, imperial russian stout that he does um and uh it, it's it's really one of my favorite stout ever in the world still and uh so uh that's uh, that's how we we met and we became friends, and he opened uh, Hopfenstark in L'Assomption, and we've, he's been there for uh, many years. And I moved to La Naudière because I was teaching at Cégep. So uh, instead of going back and forth Montreal all the time, I, I was like living 15 minutes away from the brewery, so I was always going there. And, and, uh, and, uh, and then uh, the Voivod uh, journey started in the middle of all that and we we uh, we thought that 
at some point uh, we we talked about making a beer for Voivod in 2012 or so and and he did he did the Kluskapokam which was a, a saison with um, Sapin Beaumier yes of course yes uh, the the fir uh, uh, spruce fir I think that yeah and a fresh uh, sprout the, the the needles of it yeah yeah exactly awesome and uh, Armoise Vulgaire I don't know that in English kind of an acid paste awesome yeah Acid, uh, acidity and uh, and uh, I think there was a wild ginger true in there somewhere uh, but maybe that's a secret ingredient <laughs> <laughs> Shh, no one's watching. And so we we uh, we had the the beer from Apfenstock, and in the middle of that, at some point, he wanted to open a bar in Montreal, and he had the opportunity. He found a a, a great place uh, on Ontario, uh, and uh, he, um, he in his his inner circle, he asked some people to help him, you know, to put money to invest. So I did. So now uh, I think th Station Host is open uh, uh, since five years or so in Montreal. It's, it's a great craft brew bar. I've done uh, I've done an interview there with uh, Branislav of Bain. Uh, it was a great, great time, and I've gone there and I've enjoyed myself many, many times at Session Host. Yeah, yeah, it's a great place to be. Lots of wood, you know. The, 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 I, I like the ambience in there and. The, Of course, the beers are delicious, and there's uh, some guests once in a while. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's a great uh, gathering place. Everybody's cool. Uh, good conversation with unknown people. It's it's very open. So, uh, so yeah, uh, it's been a while, though, I, I didn't go. So, I, I, I helped him start this place. That's it. So, I'm not more involved than that <laughs> it's still pretty cool <laughs> we actually did the launch of the beer there at the same time than the video which has the same name of the beer which was a song and uh we might work on something soon awesome you should yeah it's it's totally if you have that at your disposal you should absolutely be using it <laughs> uh, let's dance into music dan uh growing up uh, in your youth uh, in your parents or guardian's house what music was playing when you were not in control of the music oh my god um from uh, my mother's side it was more classical music and which i enjoyed really uh deeply She's still singing at 77 year old in a choir, classical music. That is amazing. I'm really proud of her. And uh, I go see her every year uh, singing in church. Uh, it's more like sacred music, but uh, it's classical music. Like uh, they do uh, requiems and stuff like that, like Mozart or more modern, like Rutter or, you know, more modern composers. And uh, so it, it was in my ear at an early age. I could hear some great quality music from the greatest composers back in back then, at an early age, and uh, there was some cheesy pop sixty music playing on the turntable too, but nothing really special there. There was not even the Beatles. It like it was like Nana Mouskouri and uh, and uh, <laughs> Sacha Distel and fr some French singers, you know, super light uh, music like you know nuts i i guess it was pop from those days 
but no progs, you know, no Genesis or Pink <laughs> Floyd in the house, you know, nothing strange in, in that sense. But uh, I started to play the piano maybe at seven year old. Uh, after he hearing music, uh, I, I, I realized and they realized I had a very good ear and I was a fast learner. But piano wasn't my thing after a few years. And I stopped playing music for, for, for maybe five years. And, and then I was interested in, in buying a guitar, uh, discovering rock music, especially when we had the, a TV, uh, black and white TV set at home. And that was uh, the, the first, I think, solid rock uh, from much music. Yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. And I remember one specific um, episode where there was Celtic Frost, Coroner, and Voivod. The first time I saw Voivod, but we didn't have the cable, so the channel was distorted. It was all <laughs> like this, you know, blurry. And, and we could sometimes see a clear image for a few seconds. So I was really intrigued. And when I, the Voivod video played, I was like 11 at the time. I was like, oh, they had strange guitars, you know, with, with cuts everywhere, with red stripe, and they had spikes, and the music was so strange. It, it didn't sound like Metallica or Slayer or Exodus. No. It was totally something else, and that grabbed my attention, and I understood the chords because my young ear listened to a lot of classical music and, mm. and lots of dissonance. So I was always looking for that kind of quality. So that video was a ravenous medicine and the drawings of a way and, the, and, and it became kind of a, you know, they did the video with no budget at all with a guy, I think it's a, well, a guy from the Cégep at, back in the day where they were studying in Jean Kiai and, you know, it was all, you know, DIY. So I think it's very charming still today to to see that they did what they could with the the, the tools that they had and uh, that changed my life because after seeing that video I wanted a guitar and do the same <laughs> so Voivod basically convinced me to buy a guitar and start my band when I was 11 year old wow lots of questions uh, jumped up at me as you were telling this story um, piano was that by choice or was it something that you had to do something that was encouraged for you to do it was encouraged but it was by choice because my older brother Francois who was the bass player and martyr already played for a few years and I wanted to do just like him you know and I, I it was really good it was more advanced than me he, he had he had more Uh, maybe because it was he was older, but he, he, he really had it. He went further than me in, in piano, and uh, I, I was impressed. But I, 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 I have a competition spirit as well, so I wanted to push it a little bit further. I didn't on the piano, <laughs> but it was kind of a motivation, a good motivation, I guess, a healthy one. Uh, not trying to beat him, but trying to improve to reach that level, you know, and I ha always had that kind of mentality afterwards. Improve up myself, pushing further, always, you know, looking for new stuff, reinventing, uh, ad adding some words to, to the vocabulary, musically, uh, changing the perspective, being always uh, put, put, putting you at risk 
to to push it further always that's very interesting that's you're always you're always hungry for more you're, you're never satisfied with where you're at you can always improve and that's a very healthy way to to uh, approach being an artist being just constantly growing you're like this flower that's constantly evolving and growing and blooming it's very interesting yeah i, th I think it's a need it's a profound need and it, i think it came as well with discovering Voivod because Voivod always evolved from album to album they never did the same thing you hear you listen to Angel Rat which is more maybe the most smooth so to speak album of the whole catalog and Roar which is the the more trash and you don't even know it's the same band mm -hmm. you, you can't make the connection but if you hear every album you can you can make the connection and uh It always, I always respected that. When a, a new Voivod album was out, you never knew what to expect. It was always, What's this, what is it going to be this time? You know? <laughs> and uh, yeah, I really respect that. And uh, I always tried to... It was always in my uh, DNA, because of them, I guess, to always look for something new a new flavor a new perspective a new way to do things getting out of your comfort zone uh yeah challenging ourselves i think it's uh, it's important wow that's and it's, it's unbelievable that it's just the full circle like they caused you to buy a guitar and now you are in the band it's like that you they can make a movie about you dan <laughs> if it was a huge band maybe there would be a movie <laughs> you never know there's, there's a Voivod is a big big band and a big deal for the scene of Montreal you you mentioned a competition and having that sense of trying to be better for yourself but that sort of fell into the whole early 90s Montreal Quebec metal scene as well there was a friendly sort of competition between all the bands trying to be faster, trying to be more extreme. Can you tell me a little bit, shine a little bit of light on what it was like growing up in that scene and playing in that scene? Yeah. First Martyr was, uh, we started Martyr, I was 14 year old. So me, my brother was 16, that, that was that. Uh, and uh, first show we played, I was 14, 15, we did, uh, wow. we already had compositions. But we, we, we were starting, you know, it was not solid until we saw bands from Montreal or around Montreal back in the day when the first time I saw Oblivion, by example, or, or uh, Last Breath, uh, they, were, they were a little bit older, so they had more equipment, they sounded mm -hmm. more professional, uh, anonymous, you know, and in Montreal, bands were closer, so it was easier to compete. And to see what, what are they, what are they up to? We have to upgrade our our, our craft. But in in Trois Rivières, there was not much band, so we couldn't compare ourselves. But we, once we got the comparison, I knew we, we we had to work very hard to reach that level. So uh, we did the first demo, which was kind of a more uh, trashy Megadeth. Metallica sounding testament, you know, Annihilator, and uh, and and the trash metal was pretty much over, you know. Death metal was gaining more and more ground. When I, I didn't like death metal at all, I didn't like growl the low, the guttural vocals. Nah, I, I hated it, you know, because I I heard like back in the day, Cannibal Corpse and stuff like that, and and the guitar work didn't impress me much, you know. That was, you know, I, I was like. 
I didn't know the energy and everything. It was new and but the first time I saw Oblivion live, I think it was early 90s before Nemesis was out or or around that period. I was blown away by by the band. And they had the singer which was not guttural but not high pitch either but in the middle and once i felt the energy of that kind of music live i was hooked because i didn't understand it on a, on the albums but when they play live and they had a great sound they had a, a sound company so they had their own sound pa their mixer light guy they were very organized and they sounded like a, like huge so that was the the click the click so to speak <laughs> uh to to improve uh martyr in another direction but first the first thing i hated death metal so i wrote a song to laugh at death metal which is called ostrogoth and ostrogoth was a joke it was like i can write a song in five minutes with with uh gore lyrics to make fun fun of that movement that doesn't make sense to me and it became it became our hit <laughs> so uh, it was totally you know i i totally blew it because it became <laughs> what made martyr more popular locally and then it grew but then the music got more and more intelligent so to speak like more technical because i had like a uh, influence from death and cynic and more proggy stuff that I found and Oblivion and Forbidden which the guitar works are, is amazing in Forbidden vocals is, is totally something else but and we started to try to sound more guttural and more high pitch I was more of a high pitch singer like Chuck and my brother was more into the I, I can't do it I just can't you, you have to show me And so it became some, some kind of monster with two heads, and um, literally. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, we create that sound, that really complex, structured songs and music, and and we pushed it from album to album. The last album is pr probably the more dense music, dance D N S E, that I ever wrote and will ever write uh, i don't want to do that again <laughs> it's too complex which is where i was i was gonna head i was gonna say is there ever gonna be a moment that we'll see new martyr i don't think so martyr is pretty much dead you know we we stopped in 2012 we called it a day and never say never but you know it's not it's not likely to happen it's not something that you you feel you need to do in your life anymore no i i had a, a big uh how do you say mourn to to do yeah yeah And it took it took a few years to digest that because you put everything you have into a project um and 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 life is is what you know something happens in life and it just blew apart but uh i i can say that we weren't happy since maybe the last five years minimum of the band we we did we we were frustrated I think about how we manage the the band and how we we didn't have the we 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 didn't succeed in having opportunities to tour or you know it was about to happen and then it exploded uh 
but it's all right you know it's part of the journey you have to take the blow and uh, and stand up again and you know it's the most important lessons to learn in life you got to fall down in order to climb up that's true and it was a big big fall for me it was total big fall and uh i'm glad that it happened because uh uh yeah personally you know like psychologically it, it was a, a really good thing for me that it happened I know that people love Martyr, and I hear touring the world, people know that I'm from Montreal. A lot of people talk about Martyr, so so it has a, a warm spot in many people's hearts. Yeah, that, what, that's what I discovered by touring a lot with Voivod. Every show I play, there's a Martyr album to sign, or there's people nostalgic about the band and everything. And now I can speak of it. It's not a... It's not a bad thing anymore, but for, for five years it was difficult just to, to hear the name. I was wow. frustrated, I was angry, but now it's okay. Good, good. Uh, let's dance into uh, your time in Cryptopsy a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you stepped in, replaced uh, Jean Lavassar. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. I, I got a call, I think, from Flo or maybe Eric at the time. They wanted me to, to tour. They had a tour booked in the States, and they wanted me to tour with Lord Worm getting back and doing the old, the old songs which i was not a fan of uh i i really like whisper supremacy and daniel beg era that's my favorite albums and uh, i really like the song we played from those albums and i i really like lordworm it's amazing yeah i i love that guy you know and uh but but the the more early death stuff that they did i was not a huge fan of that music aesthetic but I wanted to tour. I wanted to help them. And I was interested in touring again because I toured the US with Gorgots a few years before that, maybe four years before that. So I was, yeah, I was excited to go to the, to the States again and touring and playing extreme music. And uh, so, yeah, it was a good experience uh, in that extent. So I, I enjoyed uh, traveling again and it gives me uh, the, the will to continue on, on that path as well. Be, being in Cryptopsy, I've heard a horrible story that I would love love to rehash with you. It's about packing a trailer and taking a drive and then stopping for gas and realizing the trailer was never closed. Yeah, we uh, we started the, the tour from Montreal, so we packed everything in the jam space at night. And uh, somebody uh, locked the trailer, but it was not properly locked. And everybody should double check, but nobody did. So uh, I don't blame that person at all. Uh, the situation was like that. So we go, we cross the border, and at some point we really realize that the, trail, the, the door of the trailer is open and a bunch of boxes went down the road. One of them was one of my guitar. And back in the day, I, was, I had that that brand new guitar custom made my first custom made guitar made by liberatory you know the guy who made guitar for piggy back in the 80s Jesus and i love that guitar so i have two identical cases with different guitars the other guitar was sentimental guitar it was my spare one it it was a flying v an ibanez flying v which is kind of rare that was uh, um, owned previously by Patrice Hamelin's brother, we, which passed away. 
uh, already passed away back then. So I wanted to tour with the guitar and give it back to Patrice because I think it belonged there, you know. Uh, so yeah. So either or, I was fucked, you know, to lose one <laughs> or the other. But Patrice's brother guitar was way cheaper. <laughs> and we realized one guitar was missing and I opened the case and from a, for a fraction of a second I saw the wrong guitar but then my mind realized my custom made was there my most expensive one was there the one that was made for me so I thought oh what a shame I lost Patrice's brother guitar but at the same time I was happy to keep to have my guitar Anyway, the guy who forgot to lock uh, bought me another one during the tour. Apologized, everything was good, and uh, I, so I bought a Jackson Kelly for the rest of the tour. I think we were in California when he bought the other guitar. Oh, see, I never heard that part of the story. I only ever heard the bad part. <laughs> no, he was very uh, humble about it, and uh, yeah, he bought me another another guitar, a very good one. Uh, yeah, that's the story about uh, lock your trailers, guys. Double check everything all the time because there was a lot of merch on the road as well. And <laughs> bands make money with merch. So there was a lot of salary on the road. Jesus. Uh, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate you going down that dark road. <laughs> what, what was more of a challenge uh, for you as a guitarist to step in and replace John? Levasar, or when you had to step in and take over for Piggy? Well, I never, I never felt like I was replacing anybody, really. Uh, there was a spot open, and I was asked to join. Of course, I want to respect what was done before, especially in metal. You don't, you don't go there and do your own solo on, on a song that the solo was already written for. You know, it's not like jazz when you're, where you improvise all the time. So I wanted to respect the aesthetic of the music, what was done before me, and play it as closest as possible as I can. And it was the same with Voivod and Cryptopseed and Gorgots and anything that I played, unless there was an, over uh, an opening for giving my own input to, to the music, which I take when I have uh, the green light for it, so to speak. Uh, but in that case, I think uh, my job was to play exactly what was there before. So the fans could recognize the solos, the sound, the way it's played. And the band is not destabilized by a new approach, but keeping the, the, the color of the band together. And it's kind of my job as a freelance as well in pop music and other kind of music to to be a kind of chameleon and adapt to the color of of, of what's going on and uh, like i said sometimes putting your input is welcome so you feel more a part of the color of what is to become but at, in other contexts you want to keep it the closest to what it was and what the fans uh, expect so So that's what I felt joining Voivod at first. And joining Cryptopsy was more of, a, of helping 
to, mm-hmm. to, to do the tour with two guitars, you know. Uh, so I learned uh, John's solo, which I enjoyed because he's a good musician. And I tried to, you know, t- just tuning down, playing with different uh, set of strings. Uh, it changes everything, yeah. yeah. It's, it's an adaptation. You have to, to pick a different way and everything. Playing with a different drummer is, uh, is quite a challenge, you know. And uh, uh, playing more blast beat than ever, you know. Uh, in Martyr, there was just a little bit of, but in cryptopsy is pretty much all all the time you know or you know more or less but uh on those albums especially like i think it was uh what's the name was back back to the worms was the tour i believe and i think they did uh it was blasphemy made flesh non so vile the whole non so vile album with a, a few songs from blasphemy and uh one song and then you'll which was um cold hate warm blood because that is what became the twatty viaya metal fest tv yeah 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 exactly i think it was early in the process my first show was in at the medley i think in montreal and i remember because i was new in the band and eric just two minutes before the 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 curtain opened put your arm in the air like this look so all the band (laughs) what put your arm in the air like this and we stayed like this for 15 minutes I couldn't hold my arm in the air anymore. I was acid, <laughs> lactic acid in the arm. I was like, what a fucking bad idea, man. I was fucking upset. And then the show started and I was like, okay, let's get on with it. You know, and there was some fake marshals back in the, in the background and, it, and they looked like fake marshals as well. <laughs> it was funny. But uh, yeah, that, that's another story. Uh, <laughs> never heard that one either <laughs> I, i'm glad it was the only time because there was a big intro with with the with the coffin with lord worm in it he's coming back he's coming back yeah yeah it, it took like 15 minutes for him to get on stage and we were like this like stupid fucking <laughs> okay i was looking at eric he was like dripping sweat he was faking to, to, to enjoy this uh, it was upsetting, but uh, what a great intro! <laughs> Never do that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Just bring uh, the coffin on stage, and uh, you guys can appear afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, Voivod's Hypercube session, which is coming up on August 9th at 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, did you ever think that you would start playing shows on the internet, Dan? Ah, that's a good one. Um, not in that way, for sure. I mean, I did it in the past, like, uh, participating since... It's my 16th year of doing the Show du Refuge with Dan Bigra at uh, Place des Arts. Uh, it's a TV show to gather money for young people living in the street. And... But uh, and those shows are now streaming afterwards and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. I did a few TV shows before that, but streaming shows. Uh, Martyr had the streaming shows in the early 2000s. Really? Yeah, it was Art TV, Art TV, and uh, they recorded the whole uh, set at the medley and put it online. I remember that, and that was uh, that was on purpose. But in this way, in a studio with no public. Uh, just cameras and technicians, friends of ours, of course, playing f- in that context, in, in, in you know, selling tickets to to be live for that amount of time. 
it's quite special, isn't it? It's very interesting. It's interesting, and I think it's it's a different kind of uh, proximity with the fans. It's it, it seems to be a little bit more personal because you can read the comments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. During the show, you can you can read the. Uh, the physical language, you know, like mm -hmm. the reaction, but you cannot read the minds. So now it's going to be fun to see all the comments going on while we play or after and interact in that way, in in a very precise way, which is language. Very interesting, yeah. And I think it's it's good to reconnect uh, with the fans in, in any way, uh, and for us to play together. I miss it, you know, and it's going to be a great experience, I think. Uh, a, a kind of gathering and the distance doesn't matter. You know, it can be Japan, South America, Europe, Shawinigan. It doesn't matter. You're all going to be together for you, the love of Voivod. And that, that, that isn't, uh, you answered one of my questions that I had coming up was the, you guys are actually going to be playing together. You're not, it's not going to be everyone in separate rooms. You're going to be playing together. Exactly. We're going to go to Francis Radicard studio where we recorded The Wake. Nice. He mixed the album. Uh, I think it, we did, it did well. We, we won a Juno with it. <laughs> so we're going to be in the same setup as the album, basically. He's going to be in the in the, the control room and uh, taking care of the sound. A uh, team of camera uh, will be there and um, Catherine will be uh, edit live the camera angles and stuff. So it's going to be... Uh, because Francis is a big Voivod fan too. He knows the history of the band. He knows the sound and philosophy of the band. And uh, I remember the first time when Nothing Face, the album Nothing Face came out, They were the first band to play live at Music Plus ever. Wow. Yeah. Voivod. So I think we all feel like kids, uh, 14, 15, to go play at Music Plus, you know, like that kind of vibe. We're all excited. Me, Rocky, and, uh, and Francis. Uh, Snake and Away did that already, but, uh, <laughs> but we're all excited to play uh, together, uh, like I said, and, uh, and, and reach out to the world and uh, connect again the biggest stress for me would be the technological side that would be you know playing music together you guys can do that anywhere you guys have done it everywhere <laughs> the music part's easy it's, it's having the the back end the technology work that would stress me out so how, how did you guys handle this part of it we made sure we had an excellent connection internet connection and uh, and we did tests already but we're going to uh -huh. test all day the day before We're going to set up one day before, rehearse the show with cameras on and see if the connection is, is working on the website uh, in, a, in a, a secret. A secret link or something. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And to make sure the balance of the sound is good. But we're in this mm -hmm. recording studio. How can it be bad? You know, like, it, it, I think it's going to sound great. And uh, we have a few ideas to decorate the studio so it looks like something else you know like to create an ambient voivod ambience you know with with those kind of you know scrims and uh, and and some props you know just to to be in the mood and uh, maybe use a, a, a damped lighting so it, it's a little bit more intimate in in everybody's house and 
So it's, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. How are you going to... So much of a live show is that connection between you and the audience. How are you going to get into that reciprocal mindset? Well, with Voiva, the thing is that we, we really have fun playing. So we're in the jam space and we're jumping all around, you know, like we're smiling. Like we do, we do the same as when we're on stage. We're not faking it. So we're just happy to play. And uh, of course, after the song is done, it's not going to be, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that's going to be weird for sure. Yeah, or unless maybe imagine. the camera guys and, and people that are there are like, what? <laughs> Let's hope we play well. Uh, we're going to rehearse a, a, a few times before the show. The show, this, this set list, we played uh, very often in the last years. You know, we changed songs here and there, but it's pretty solid already. But we we, we didn't play for uh, maybe uh, since the beginning, like uh, since March. Yeah, you got to stay in shape. You got to stay in shape. You got to work out. If not, you're going to be sore as fuck. <laughs> yeah, my neck, I don't know if I can do that again. Uh, you you can do it during that day, but the next day is going to suck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then you have a surgery and uh, become Tomagaya. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I hope. You got it. You got it. Uh, so everyone, please go check out uh, Voivod's Hypercube session uh, this uh, on August 9th, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Times. You can get your tickets. Where can they, where can they get those tickets? Dan? Yeah, it's lepointdevente.com. Lepointdevente.com. Dot com. So it's a, a, a company in Quebec City that uh, that is uh, the host of the show. It's super sick, and I, I'm going to watch it. I know I'm going to watch it. I'm stoked about it. Um, one last question, Dan, before you can go enjoy the rest of your weekend. Uh, you seem very organized and uh, very well put together, but I'm sure it happens sometimes. It happens on tour sometimes. What is your hangover cure? My what? My hangover cue? Cure? Pickle juice. Really? I've heard that one before, but do you actually do that? This and uh, miso soup with Ooh, seaweed. Yeah. Seaweed. I mean, amino acid. Fish, mm, okay. fish soup. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, thank you so much for taking the time. Sitting down with me, talking about your life. Metal and craft beer. I really appreciate it. You're a legend, and it's great to chat with you. Great chatting with you, too. Cheers. 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 Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. So much fun to finally catch up with Dan. I've been wanting to have him on the podcast since the very beginning. He is a crucial element to metal and craft beer here in Montreal. Very influential, and I absolutely wanted to sit down to pick his brain. And he was a gem. Thank you so, so much, Dan. Much love and respect. Everybody, this Sunday, go and check out Voivod's Hypercube session. It starts at 4 p.m. and it runs till 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You should go get your tickets. I have placed in the description of this podcast the link where you can go purchase your tickets i will be there and you should go check it out as well it's going to be fucking sick and you should support one of the original montreal extreme music bands much love and respect to voivod there would be no metal scene here in montreal if it wasn't for you guys i hope you guys have a great weekend i have had a great time this has been the very first heavy montreal presents vox and hops episode much love and respect to jf michaud for making this happen I'm super stoked about this, and I can't wait for the upcoming episodes I have in collaboration with Heavy Montreal. They are cool. They are really cool. I can't wait to get them out to all of you.
I hope you guys have a great weekend. I hope you get to relax. I have two episodes coming at you next week. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday.